you're on the program now, aren't you? No, I'm on, on, I'm on The Voice oh, now. Oh, you're on The Voice. Okay, I've been we'll on edit the voice that out later. No, 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 you're right. <laughs> you're right, because I did one season on X Factor. I'm Ali Tennant, songwriter and vocal coach, and um, general dog's body to the industry. I'm Gavin Goldberg. I'm uh, also general dog's body of the business, <laughs> producer, mixer, musician, engineer, stunt vocalist. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, no. Public speaker. And I'm Andy Wright. Uh, likewise uh, to the other two guys there. Um, <clears throat> well, I do whatever I can to survive. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but yeah, some writing, some production, uh, some musicianship on a fairly average level. And uh, I won't hear it. Thanks, Gav. Appreciate <laughs> no it. Life. And uh, uh, yeah, and um, yeah, uh, whatever it takes to to keep someone employing me, that will uh, that's my job. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we all have to stay employed around here. Yeah. That's what it's well, that's about. the thing. That's yeah, the... it's kind of master blagger. Should yeah. be the, that. Should be the name of the course. That's a good yeah. one, master yeah. blagger. You see, what you guys got to remember is mm. that everybody's. But doing the same thing. Oh well, yeah, we're all black. So if you manage to survive for twenty mm -hmm. plus years, and by the look of everyone here, yeah, you've sort of managed it. Uh, yeah, you're, thanks. You're, there's only some. <laughs> That's a double edged. There's, there's <laughs> only there's only some level to which you're blagging because yeah. twenty years is a long while it's to a maintain long way to a blag. blag. What I found over the years is the genuine blaggers get caught out pretty quick. And they're yeah, and they're and out. They're, no, they're out. And no, actually, no, the genuine blaggers are the ones that actually evolve into doing it right. It's the, if your blagging <laughs> level is too. Low, you will get caught out but if you're you know if you can blag to a good level mm -hmm. then i don't know i think you've got to have something there's got to be something got to have behind some the substance to it yeah there's got to be something that just sustains you just about you yeah. know there's people that do you ever notice this uh, will remain nameless but there's certain big time you can say my name if producers you <laughs> out there i said big time yeah. um, <laughs> nice. um who when you when you look at what up close to what they're doing you go like what are you actually doing they don't they're That's not necessarily they're not players they're not arranging mm -hmm. they're not mixing they're not, but somehow mm -hmm. they're making hit records and they keep getting called back and they somehow have this sort of um enigma and this ability to just sort of put the final product out and get it together and and people people believe in them so so i i call that that the x factor they have it the unknown quantity of something that makes great things happen. That's it. Yeah. And yeah. I think, I think, um, you know, past 15, 20 years, I think we all have some, 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 uh, yeah. degree of that. I'm sure. Well, you I know? know about you, uh, you, Ali, and obviously I know more, much more about, you know, Gavin's route, mm -hmm. but you know, for me, I went from <clears throat> delivering equipment studios wow. to being a session musician, in studios which is what i always mm -hmm. you know dreamed about doing mm -hmm. and then got, you know went through through the ranks there to to doing productions absolutely so there is a sort of a grassroots route, isn't there grassroots, you know exactly yeah through doing that but of, of course as gavin said i mean i i did work with a lot of people on along the road mm. that that sort of fit the bill with what gavin was saying yeah but I always managed to think really when I really thought of it that they probably got something really special. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Sometimes yeah. it's just that people skill quality or even just their their taste and being able to see where music's going 
and bring the right people together, you yeah. know, rather than be the person that's hands on. They can sort of go, I can see where where this is trending, and I'm going to put that person and that person in a room together. And you yeah, know. absolutely. Well, I always mm -hmm. used to feel because I'd started out as a musician and and, and used to, and of course as a programming musician, I was doing a lot of the arrangement. That that was the job, and it was only really when I started to get production gigs, proper production gigs, when I realised that actually it's it's not that's not the gig. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a bit of the gig. A bit of it. And in fact, you don't need to do any of that if you. You don't want to you, but uh, so so letting go of of that and, and actually thinking actually if i entertain other talent think, yep. to contribute towards my offering absolutely then my production is going to be way better than if i just try and do it all myself okay. which is what i started doing. certainly what you're saying is, is 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 part of the point i wanted to make as well so that's delegation it's, it's, it's being, you know... It's critical. It's crit exactly. Can you see who it is and what it is that makes can make this work other than myself? So having worked with Simon Cowell, he's a master delegator, I've realised. Mm. That's what he is. He, I, I don't know if he has a tangible hands-on talent like can sing or songwrite, engineer or play anything. But what he's he seems to be great at and just observing him from you know having had a hit record with him as well is that he knows how to choose he knows who to get he knows who to put into position to do that job mm. you know and that is really what you know really his 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 magical skill set that has propelled him to that place and obviously his character not being afraid of being in front of the camera you know, yeah, so it's vision, isn't it? It's absolutely, got, it's got vision. It is a vision, and and um, you know, it's been you know very clever with it because um, you know, the first time we saw him, he was on um, Pop Idol as a judge, employed mm. by Simon Fuller. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, I, I don't think he'd had any. Did he have any hit records? What was he known yeah, for? Yeah, he at did that point? because previous to that, he had. Um, he had his label through um, through BNG. Was it was, Psycho? It wasn't Psycho. Yeah, no, was no, no. It was yeah. called IQ. IQ. Um, right. And so, and he through that he did records with obviously Robson and Jerome. Right. Um, and but predating that, I mean, he mm -hmm. was known really for doing. Um, kind of novelty records. That was his. Thing. That was his thing because yeah. he took the tweenies. I remember that. That was later. Was that tweenies? Were later the after Robson? Two thousand and three. But how clever though? Yeah, it was really good. So but clever. Course, yeah. Well, that became the kind of the thing at the time. Mm -hmm. It's like, can we find a something in the media to you know they they've gone through the the nineties mm -hmm. you know using stars from soaps. And that's things. right, and then they did the right. Teletubbies and the Tweedies, and then, that's right. Before you know, that, um... for me, that was a that was a low point for songwriters. <laughs> you know, where where you could spend spend your time, you know, doing trying to get a cut with the Tweenies and then get rejected. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like where what happened to the art? Here? I think the low so, the lowest point for songwriters <clears throat> when remember that little era when ringtones suddenly oh, became mate. like a thing, oh. and people were. So, I remember thinking to myself, I would actually <laughs> rather become a fucking hairdresser. <laughs> no, I've got a lower point than that. Okay. I was speaking to Sam Swallow. He was doing he was doing music for, for of you know weight music. Oh no, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think like, I think when, when are worse. Hi, this is uh, this is Hatcher's solicitors. Well, oh, let me wait, put you on hold. Oh, and then he plays the music, oh, something like that. Man. I mean, that's the lowest. Oh, though, isn't that's it? bad. He could probably do that job while cooking a 
cordon bleu and dinner <laughs> you know, with one hand on the thing. But no, I was thinking in the early days of Pop Idol and that, I remember mm. Simon Cowell wasn't really taken seriously. And people even, you know, people were like, yeah, but this dude. And then when they started having hit after hit after hit, Correct. he sort of became, then he became a proper mogul. Absolutely. But I think the the... The I thing sort which of followed that route quite through, and you, you're not far wrong. No, but there. the thing that but made he followed him followed a particular pattern because before him, when it really started that whole thing, it was Nigel Lithgow who did it, who, be, who then became employed by Simon Fuller as the guy. And Correct, they, and they took they took him into the programming mm -hmm. department, and they put Cowell in as as nasty. We was nasty Nigel. That's right. So it was it was nasty, nasty Simon one. became, and it was a role that he was there to fulfil. Well, that's what I was going to say. That's what made him like the sort of mainstream sensation. It was the, the character that it was the guy, the right? fact that he was this bastard Bad that everyone yeah. loved to hate. He was like the J.R. Ewing of of the <laughs> of the thing. I'm way too young for that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You don't know what I'm <laughs> talking about. He's become about. hugely likable though, hasn't he? You see, because I think the general public really, really respect his point of view. Oh, well, 100%. You know, he's, and he's and like, the thing and is, he's normally right. He's normally right. That said, in fairness, I would say that he probably employs other judges because he's in charge. Well, of course. That, that do, and, of and that. they're given a brief yeah. as well. So they're all going to go, oh, you made a song, you're old. You know, <laughs> I think we know who that one is. <laughs> and, then, and then all of a sudden Simon goes, that was rubbish. And, and everyone goes, no, you're right, it was. Yeah. So yeah. I don't in know, it's, way, all, it's all yeah, smoke and mirrors. It is, it, is, it is a little bit, you know, you're controlling the narrative of your own show, of course. Yeah. So how did you get but, involved? Mm -hmm. With the with the program because you you're on the program now aren't you? No, I'm on, I'm on the Voice. Are oh, you on the Voice? I'm, okay, we'll the voice that out later. no, 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 no. You're right. <laughs> you're right because I did one season on X Factor. Oh right, okay, yeah. Yeah, I did 2010 on X Factor as a vocal coach, the um, official vocal coach on that. And um, how do I even know how that happened? <laughs> it's because I think I did a vocal arrangement for JLS and um, Alexandra Burke, who actually um, they came first and second. Um, I think oh nine, and um, so I did a vocal a vocal arrangement for their duet, and um, the producers remembered me, and um, asked me whether I I was a vocal coach, and at the time I wasn't. This is you where know? the blag comes in. This is where the blag. So when they asked you, uh, yeah. you didn't say, "Yeah, I know you didn't say." Yeah, you said, "No, of I'm not I'm a vocal coach." Yes, I do the vocal coach. Uh, exactly. the vocal you know. That's my middle name. How did you know? Interestingly enough, mm -hmm. because I was working for Simon Fuller. Oh, um, on Simon Fuller's things, yeah. which it, from about ninety six, ninety five. Yeah, he's been going for um, a and, and it was just way before. So this was nineteen when he when he was. Well, yes. well he's still got nineteen. He's still, yeah, it's, but I mean, when company, it, but yeah. yeah. So Ryan was signed to um, to Simon, and that predated even the Spice Girls. And the Spice okay. Girls came in, and then I was known to Simon at that point, mm -hmm. and then you know started to get invited to the 19 party and then yeah. did a couple of things with Kathy Dennis, mm. like right reach yeah, for the stars and, yeah. um, and a few S club tracks. Sure. Um, and then, uh, you know, then down to the Eurythmics album the, the, in 1999, which was called Peace. Come on. And Simon was the manager of Eurythmics at the time. Always to manage Vanny, but <gasps> became the manager of Dave right. at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And That's then right. he employed me to do her solo album in 2001. Love that. Um, so, so I'd kind of got history with Simon, and I knew at the time when um, uh, Pop Idol was, mm -hmm. uh, you know, when well, when it got to its to the end, oh. and it was Will, Gareth, and Darius that were the the three right. remaining contestants. I knew right. in advance that they needed a song. 
songs. Yeah, of course. So I was writing and I got that one thing that I told you about. Mm -hmm. Darius that actually didn't do and went off okay. to Australia. So I kind of knew the whole 19... Model. Model. Yeah, absolutely. A little bit yeah. at the time. Yeah. And I always Which thought... Was great. The interesting thing about Simon Fuller, mm -hmm. uh, who's obviously enigmatic beyond words, yeah. but um, if you've ever been in a meeting with him, oh, um, right. he, he doesn't really say anything. <laughs> really? Yeah, he's really kind of... You know, he, I mean, he has a meeting. He does. He mm -hmm. prompts, but he, when he's doing a meeting there, he, he basically wants to find out what everyone thinks. Okay. So in a really good way, you know. Yeah. So which is you great. usually think that someone who's that powerful has a lot uh, to say. Yeah. You know, goes and says, "Well, yeah, but what I would do is, yeah, no. and can you do that?" And no, he just sort of interesting. Really quietly leads from the back. He leads from. The back. I love that. <laughs> Highly phlegmatic and really interesting. Kind Very of clever. So. I'd love to meet him. I've done so many things around him and for his acts, but never I sort of met him. Ended up not really working with him much after about mm. 2004. Mm -hmm, really. mm -hmm. But I did really like him. I mean, he's a good guy. That's, That's so sure. interesting. Yeah, he seems like a nice guy. Um, through... You two have a connection uh, that, I, that I think you may not know about, which is Atomic yeah. Kitten. Oh, really? Yeah, because I know you wrote something for Atomic I, Kitten. We did, yeah, I did. Andy, Andy I did Eternal, Eternal Flame. Flame. Oh, amazing. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't even remember the song that I... Uh, and I did a couple of others. I didn't do Whole Again, but I did Eternal Flame, which was the follow-up, obviously, to... I think it's a song called You Are, I think. I, I did with them or something like that. Yeah. We did something like that. There's so many, you know, early, yeah. early 2000s, man. We're just churning them out. Yeah. They're just happening, you know? Well, that, that, that's right, yeah. Well, I was, you know, I was kind of quite involved with pop at the time. Oh, absolutely. That was that, was, that a, was number one record. That well. was, that's right. That was yeah. amazing for them. What lineup was that? <laughs> uh, that was, uh, well, uh, Kerry Katona just left the band. Okay, so, so Natasha. Uh, so it was Natasha, uh, Liz, Liz, and uh, Jenny name? Frost. Jenny, that's so right. So it was that's Jenny right. Frost's first session. Oh, really? Yeah, it was All right. with, with me. Yeah. I think record. I did a session with Jenny Frost for you once in those early days. Um, that was, too, well, I, I can tell Metropolis, you when that was. Yeah. That was early 2001. Mm. Yeah, well, I was, you wow. see, that period of time was when I had literally just arrived in UK. Okay. And I was sort of bright eyed and bushy tailed. Absolutely. 2001 was the yeah. year I came and, and through a weird twist of circumstances ended up in Metropolis. I was on a round the world trip yeah. and it was a ticket that I had spent months sort of planning it was Fantastic. one of those open year things and i had oh andy's heard this before but i you know i'd gotten Go i'd gotten all brilliant. the all the visas and planned my itinerary <laughs> and i i had it was crazy and it and it cost quite a lot as well oh, would have. and my plan was to come to london and actually the reason i was doing this round the world travels at the time was mm. because i had been so holed up in studios right. in south africa right. where i'd been producing and working for a long time yeah, mm. and i and i had never really traveled and i thought you know i'm just going to cut loose and go Do around it. the world you yeah. know because i couldn't decide where to go <laughs> And uh, came to London as my first stop, and my plan was to sort of work here for a couple of months, make make some pounds, and then mm -hmm. use that to sort of go on. Then I was going to the US, and then I was going to go across the states. Oh, wow! Then I was going to Fiji, I was going to Sydney, I was going to Bali, I was going to Kuala Lumpur. Oh, you had, I had this plan? I had, I had the whole thing. <laughs> anyway, I ended up bumping into someone in like the first week I was here, who happened to work in Metropolis, somebody yeah. I knew from South Africa, mm -hmm. and he took me down there one day. And when I sort of came in the building and he said to me, 
Yes, yeah, so uh, Mick Jagger's in Studio B today, mm-hmm. and uh, and I was like, <gasps> and then um, and he said Annie Lennox is in uh, right. is in Studio E, yeah. um, and actually that I didn't know Andy, but Andy was was uh, producing that record, uh, yeah. and then he said, oh, and Mary J. Blige's in Studio C, oh, mixing okay, with so and so, whatever, and and then suddenly like the Lenny Kravitz called reception oh, and wanted on, to be put th- put through to, and I was thinking, I'm standing like in this in the reception there and yeah. all of this is sort of around me going on and I'm just thinking this is mental yeah. like I and like I felt like my toe was in the door do you know <laughs> yes, what I mean like like, uh, like yeah. I didn't even have my foot in the door I had, the I, had like, you I had like a toe you know and um <laughs> And one one thing led to another, and mm-hmm. I ended up shoving my whole foot in. <laughs> yes, 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 fully. <laughs> and then yeah. I I ended up um, I ended up sort of blagging Yay. a job yeah. as an assistant. Um, fast forward a few months, and I was working with a really cool producer called Al Stone. I don't know if okay. you know Al. Who did he did Bjork and he did oh, Stereo MCs oh, and Jamiroquai and a lot of cool yeah. stuff. And we were doing the Daniel Beddingfield record oh, at wow. the time. Oh wow! Yeah, that was a huge record. It was a huge record. Yeah. And um, and we were we were like months into this record, and we were we were like we would we were deep into it. And my visa was starting to well, kind of, no, maybe it wasn't that the visa came later. Basically, what happened was I was thinking, am I going to continue with these travels? Because I had a few months left, I could still travel. Yeah. And Al was like, I really wouldn't mind you staying on this project with me because Where it was going, going really well. Yeah. And then I thought, you know what, I'm going to travel for for six months or three months or whatever it was. And I'm going to end up back in South Africa. Oh, wishing that I was in Metropolis with Al Stone oh, right. working on working on records, you know. Look and that, that would that would be silly, you know. So I it's just crazy, I took this round the world ticket and I threw it in the bin. Uh, and then gone. and then I ended up staying mm-hmm. The and next morning, Al called you and said, yeah, "Get off the project." <laughs> <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, you're fired. Mm-hmm. Actually, do you know what? I'll tell you a funny story from right. that. This was this was a, a lesson from that particular mm-hmm. project, um, which which I remember really clearly. So I was on that record. I was basically the assistant engineer. Yeah, and. Um, over time, actually, Al he entrusted me with a bit of engineering here and there, which was really cool of him. But there was a middle eight or a section of a song, yeah. which was sort of not happening on one of oh. Daniel's songs, and uh, <laughs> and I remember like there was there was the discussion yeah. like uh, we need some music needs to happen here, and I and I, and I went to Al and I said, Al. <laughs> Let me have a crack. Yeah, cool, at, let me have a crack yeah, yeah, at the yeah. middle eight, you know, because I've I got some ideas, yeah. you know. And they, and actually, this was only possible because me and Al we 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 had had some, a, yeah, yeah. yeah and he was like, okay, but you're gonna have to basically stay up all night and do it so that tomorrow morning we can it's play there. it. Yeah. Um. And if I don't like it, I'm not even gonna play it to to Daniel. Okay. Right. So I was like, they all went home. Oh, come on, and fair, I, fair cop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They all went home and uh, and I was like, right, I'm about to fucking kill it. <laughs> They're going to be blown away. <laughs> I'm going to be hoisted up on shoulders and I'm going to be carried through, through the streets in, in glory, you know <laughs> yes, what I mean, for the genius of the school. And, and so I ended up like... Go and get in my guitar, got the keyboards out, oh, yeah. started making beats. Started, it was like, you know, two in the morning, three in the morning. I was like, 
inversions. <laughs> I was like fucking strings. It was like it fifty was, piece just for yeah, the yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like the cleverest thing you'd ever heard. It was like so over over the top, right? I think I know where this story's going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so basically, I'm like. You know, 8 a.m. I'm like still there mixing it down and whatever on the on the console and shit. And then L comes in, you know, whatever, like 11 a.m. or whatever. And uh, it's all up on the console, you know. And and he goes, I said to him, by the way, and he'd forgotten. Oh, probably, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So I said, are, are you going to listen? Are you going? Do you want to listen to the thing I did? And he went, oh yeah, oh my, you're going to do that thing? Yeah, yeah. Why not? Like, so so he kind of like un, unmutes like half the desk you know we hit play and this thing this thing rolls through and i did start to start thinking to myself not as great as i thought it was when i did it like you know yeah. gets to the end and he sort of mutes up the whole thing right and he goes not really not quite what i had in mind right then anyway so daniel comes in okay. and um and Daniel had just got this new keyboard, which oh. at the time was the which was the hottest thing was the uh, Access Virus keyboard. Oh wow! Right, and it had all these sort of big sounds with one finger, where you oh. could just do this, and you know where this is going. Absolutely. And so all like my all my shit there was cut on the desk, and then um, they go right. Should we look at this middle eight? <laughs> Daniel goes to the keyboard. They open up the channels, and these sounds like. Like down, and then everyone turns around and go, "Fucking yes, nailed it! Oh, oh my god, no, that was amazing!" No. And it was, and actually, for about three seconds, I was pissed off because I thought I thought that was shit, and then I thought, "No, that's better." That's better. That's better. Oh, and then no. I thought, that's perfect. That's fucking perfect. <laughs> All night. You, All were night. Very, you were very tired at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. None of them do. But they were right. It was better. It's crazy. It was just like, one finger cord. I love it. But it was just like this this descending thing. And I remember thinking, to, uh, there was like a few seconds where I went, no way. Come on. Come on. That's not better than mine. No. Yeah. This is ridiculous. Actually, that's quite good. It's quite good. Well done, mate. Fair yeah, play. Yeah. Anyway. It's crazy, though, isn't it? It's mad how things happen, man. But I learned a lot from that experience. Oh, you yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you do, man. Yeah. Sat up, you know, I think that's actually quite an important thing to learn if you're making music. It's that the, you know, because we, well, I've done sessions where, mm. you know, I've used an awful lot of budget on orchestra. Absolutely. I know you, you, you get them all in there, and it's all arranged, and you've mm. got sort of thirty-six players, and they all play this thing, and you put it in, in the record, and everyone goes, ah, it sucks though, doesn't it? Oh, and then that's a lot of budget spent. I spent. Well, can on... you put? Have you got? Any, can you put it through a distortion pedal? Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Oh. That's rock and roll for you, though, isn't it? Of course, you. It's you know, you have to be ready to be disappointed, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've got to also under. Yeah, you've got to understand what this is. I think those there's a critical learning experience. It's about 100%. killing your babies as well. It's there one of go. the really important things because sometimes, you know, because I I'll mix stuff that maybe people um, that give to me I haven't done, and I don't mm. know the the provenance of any of those yeah. tracks or who did what mm -hmm. or what was the first thing and what was the last thing that went on so you have this completely objective sort of look at it whereas a lot of the time people become attached to elements because it was like yeah, um it, it was expensive to do or it right. was it took me ages or and sometimes me, me and andy have this a lot like mm -hmm. sometimes and like andy will give me something that he's been working on to mm -hmm. to sort of work on and i'll just go i think i'll cut that right and sometimes he'll kind of go like 
I've got a bit of a new direction on this ooh, now. Ooh. I'm, I'm not sure you're going to like it, but I think it's fucking ace. Yeah, yeah. I think it's great. You've yeah. got to hear this. And actually, I'd say probably 70% of the time it's really good. Come on. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes yeah. I have to go... Concede. I have yeah. to go, no... I think it was. A, I was better. But, but yeah. every now and again, like for example, the bass line on "Right by Your Side," mm-hmm. four weeks on the on, on the Radio Two playlist. Yeah, yeah. but I liked it too. I had, bass, I didn't want bass to line. Well, no, but I'd actually go in and go. That's the bass line. Yeah. Don't change that. Anything you can change. Anything you want. But don't change, but don't that, change that fucking bass line. Yeah, yeah. That's mm-hmm. everything on this track. Sure. And of course. No, but I totally agreed with you on that. And yeah, I mean, yeah. that's 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 interesting because you know sometimes it's just an element, a hook or something. That is and, the record. Um, but, you know, that whole thing true, where right? people, people like strings, you know, you talk about the expensive string session and it's funny because um, there seems to be this mystique around strings and people recording orchestras and everyone gets all emotional about it and, mm-hmm. and like you have this great experience and you go to Abbey Road or whatever sometimes. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's just a noise in the track at the end. <laughs> like, and it's it's no different to the to the noise, which is the sample or the guitar or the thing. Mm. And if you're gonna, if that guitar's not working, you're just gonna mute it or you're gonna change it. Mm-hmm. And if those strings aren't working, or well, they're not suiting the section or whatever, well, you're just gonna mute them. Changing the, what? the color in a really yeah, exactly. Right. But why are the right. strings more important? Because they're strings. They're just the sound. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. You know, it's um. It's 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 that magical element of just one thing though sometimes, oh isn't it's it? Totally, yeah. Mm. You yeah. know, you we 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 um we remember a hit record for 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 just one thing with one melody sometimes. We don't remember the the lyric. Yeah. You know, must be talking to an angel. Totally, you, yeah. Of course. I don't remember there. any more. That's yeah, all yeah. I need. Well, you know who had know? a really interesting point on that was Mark Hudson, who was also an X Factor. Um, he was X Factor vocal, vocal, vocal coach. Oh yes, for Sharon. Uh, uh, during until probably just before you. Okay, just before he was like, the American guy with the funny coloured beard. Yeah, 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 yeah. He yeah. looked like um. What's so we name? wrote we wrote it's Chico time together. Oh wow, <laughs> did you? Yeah. I love that. I love yeah, yeah. that yeah, with Chico. Fantastic. Chico. Yeah, that was his big record, wasn't it? Was number one. Yeah, yeah. I love that. That's yeah, great. I I love that. I wrote it with Mark Hudson. Okay, really. It was there was a vocal coach on there, but Mark, so Mark was someone you know. We brought in um, and wrote together. Well, I say wrote together. It's quite hard to write with Mark because he's so he's so fast and he's so kind of dominant in a yeah. writing. But anyway, on on a on a artist that me and Andy were working on together, mm-hmm. and we we got to this point where some of the good. songs got. Um, you know, into sort of version two and three, and sometimes like sections of the song got axed or whatever. And when it came time to talk about like who wrote the song, mm-hmm. you know, I remember having this conversation with him where where we were saying like, yeah, but we wrote like eighty percent of it, or or you wrote <laughs> this, whatever. But then he said, he said, yeah, but if you get caught between the moon and New York City, that's just like <laughs> one line. But is that worth? More than wow. the verses that song, which you don't well, remember. Like, you know, it's wow. crazy, but it's true. Oh, yeah. It follows it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> funny, no, but funny. you know, that, that whole thing, that's like, funny. if you get caught between the, the moon that's and New York true. City, yeah. I know it's crazy, but it's true. No, I mean, the whole thing, you don't remember the verses to that song. Nobody the best does. Thing you can do is fall in love. Uh, yeah, 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 stop it. 
<laughs> but it's such a classic song. Now, hey, what... listen, I'm thinking about about the, the thing. Is, 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 maybe now, <laughs> as we're all prime, maybe, you know, we should ask a couple of these questions about sure. songwriting because people might be interested it's in It's so in, easy. In, in this approach. could be four hours easily. <laughs> easily. Because we, we can chat till all, uh, all day. All day. So what comes first in songwriting, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is, is the concept. Mm-hmm. And... You know, everyone's got a different approach to songwriting and and for some people they make a beat first or Mm -hmm. they start with a little drum pattern or they start there. And other people might start by writing a lyric or anything. But for me personally, you know, I think uh, just start with a title. Mm. If you start with a title or a concept mm-hmm. and then everything can feed into that, yeah. you know, the music can, the style, obviously the, the, the musical style, it has to be appropriate to the artist that you're working Absolutely. with. Um, because, you, you know, you, you, if you're writing for, you know, Dua Lipa or mm-hmm. you're writing for, or you're writing, you know, for someone like Tom Jones. Okay, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to give you an example. Sure. Um, but but it's such a polar opposite mm-hmm. in terms of what you want that result to be mm-hmm. that the musical style has to has to be appropriate to the artist sure. like a set of clothes you know it's got to look right with the, the person mm-hmm. uh, bespoke yeah um but i think uh, first of all you save yourself a lot of time if you start with a a, a really good idea for a song mm-hmm. and so if you spend time even not doing anything, just sitting, reading books, looking yeah. at uh, looking at song titles over the years, doing anything you want, but coming up with something that is a is a, a hopefully a zeitgeist concept. Mm-hmm. So a lot of concepts are historic: love, sex, you know, uh, disappointment, mm-hmm. whatever the, the the theme, the sort of central theme is. But if you're starting with a good title that represents a, a universal theme that is also kind of representative in the zeitgeist, then you're off to a real good start. Absolutely. That's my answer anyway. Yeah, I hear that, Andy. I, I think suppose. it's different on every occasion. I mm. think I'd, I'd personally try not to prescribe, mm. you know, as much as I can not prescribe. Um, so I agree with Andy completely that mm-hmm. it's a, you've got to sort of know what universe you're working in mm-hmm. and it's very different if you're writing for someone else or if you're writing just a song for yourself or for fun Absolutely. or if you are an artist and mm. um because i mean i started my my musical life more in the artist world mm-hmm. and in bands and sort of we were writing right, for ourselves for yourself but um so i come from the the tradition of old-fashioned songwriting where you know you'd literally have a you know guitar and a pen and a pad mm-hmm. and i remember when i first came over to uk and I, that was really the first time i was exposed to people toplining and writing on beats and stuff sure and i used to, i remember thinking to myself this is bollocks this isn't real songwriting this <laughs> is like this you know but then i realized that actually i'm completely wrong and and that that is just as valid because a lot of the time where you end up with the song, mm-hmm. you could take away that beat and play it on a guitar or, or not or whatever. And actually the song will exist in in a similar way mm-hmm. and it can have a life. Mm-hmm. So songs can, can be created from any method and the method really doesn't matter. So whatever inspires you, and sometimes it's a lyric, uh, like sometimes it's a phrase or a word, other times it could be a tune, other times it could be a nice riff or a chord sequence or something. Mm-hmm. So, um, it can be any of those things to me and um, mm. it really doesn't matter. Um, and I think the most important thing is you just have to be 
sort of accepting of the process and free Absolutely. free yourself up enough to kind of work through like your inspiration and just follow your nose with it. I think when I when I would um, start and try and write, I would always compare what I was doing to the greatest shit out there that was sure. completed and think, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> but you got to then sort of chip away at it and, and it's more of it's more like graft it's like 80 percent hard work and 20 percent inspiration i mm. find a lot of the time so that's what i'd say i i hear you you know as a top line writer lyric and melody i don't produce i don't play right so my instrument is my voice so um what i you know i allow universe to come in and i, I really allow um the melody to speak and and also I love writing with the artists generally that I'm writing, you know, writing for. Um, so my ideas come from a conversation and just listening to what they have to say. Where are they in their lives? What what do, do you have an idea of what you want to write about? No? Well, what's been happening in life? What are you doing? You know, um recently I was working on a project and um, as you came in with some M&S biscuits in a tub and um, I just finished eating lunch and um, we were looking for a concept, but we were just, I was, we weren't stuck for it. We were just like thinking about concept and um, just came back from lunch and she said, you guys have, have some of these. They're so nice. Producer had one. She had one. And I was like, no, I just finished lunch and I had something sweet already. She said, just have one now and care tomorrow. I was like, oh my God, there's the title. Care tomorrow. She said, what? And it just came out of my mouth, the melody and, and the concept. Care tomorrow. I don't want to get too bothered. I just want to find a lover that cares tomorrow. And I was like, she was like, what the By the heck? way, you were going to come into our studio and do some singing. Oh, no, 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 no. I no, fucking no. love your voice, oh, man. Bless and you. that's the only bit of you I've ever heard. Ever heard. That's crazy, <laughs> right? But that's my instrument. That's all I've got. That's yeah, all I've got. That's like. beautiful. you got a beautiful voice. Bless you. I can bless tell you, you. That from that Come bit. on, man. Stop. You're going to make me go Cherry Black. Cherry <laughs> Black. <laughs> and so there was the title there was the, the you know mm. and and it just worked so i left we left space for something great to happen and and for me um not name dropping but kind of kind of uh, i was mentored by rod temperton the late rod temperton yeah right? we met rod temperton a few times you said that's yeah. right and you what know, a legend what an absolute legend smoked a lot too many fags and drank a lot, uh, and whiskey, drank a lot but... of whiskey <laughs> exactly <laughs> well i'm on half of that i need to get there i need to get there yeah, but what a legend! Uh, but uh, a genius, yeah, a, genius. a living genius. So, do, do, I mean, I don't. I, I guess everybody knows who Reverend Rod Templeton is, but they might not. So they just might for not. the viewers, just for the viewers, here, Rod Templeton was the guy that wrote, co-wrote Thriller. The rock, uh, no. Wrote Thriller. A hundred percent. Did he? Mm. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, and most I mean, of the record, the whole the, album. Well, yeah. three, yeah. three songs. Oh, was it only was three? Three songs. Was on. He was writing yeah. for Quincy. He was mm -hmm. writing with Quincy and yeah. did lots of Michael Jackson tunes. So Absolutely. But he's from Cleethorpes. Absolutely, Hull, Grimsby. 
Imagine that. Literally Cleethal. And he was and he was um the founding member of of Heatwave. Heatwave, yeah, Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights and yeah. Always and Forever. Yeah. Have you ever seen a video of uh, Boogie Nights? Oh, absolutely. I mean not the, not the film Boogie Nights, <laughs> no, no. but the Boogie Nights is yeah. the actual song. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you see Rod Temple. He's, he's, yeah. he's on the keyboards. He's, he's on the keyboards. He's just he going. looks like such a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he was he was a, a, a literally a genius. He was a genius. Yeah. And he and it's uh, funny you say nerd. I think he was that in the beginning. He was just so, you know, addicted to to great songs and great melody and lyric. Mm. That was his thing. And and but you know his magical chord structures that nobody can replicate. You know that sound like they're simple. Mm. That's the genius of him. And and I was I was so blessed to meet him in two thousand, where we um shared a a, um, a publishing company, Chrysalis, at the time. He was administrating. I went for the full whack the deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they dangled. I bit. And um you know they said you know maybe. You know, we might get get you in a session with Rum Templeton. I was like, all right, mate, I've got more chance of working with Michael Jackson. Because <laughs> at the time, he he didn't work with anyone. He was just like, you know, just way back, pushed way back from fame. He let Quincy do all of the interviews, Michael, about all of that stuff. And, um, and he heard my voice and he said, I want to work with that voice. Who's that? And they flew me out. And and part of that story has a lot to do with songwriting and how, you know, things come about. So I just come back from Sweden, okay, six days. Uh, and prior to that, they told me I was going to to um to LA to work with Rod. So I'm like gassed. I'm over in Sweden, in Sweden, um, about four different producers, um, there for six days and wrote eleven songs. Don't ask me how I did it, right? So I'm just excited, writing like a fool. Came back one day's rest. Then flew out to 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 LA, and then one day's rest. So I'm there, like, yes, I cannot wait. Jumped in the car, drove up to Mul- Mulholland Drive, which he yeah. had his house there, and um, was ringing on the bell. I'm like, I'm at the right house. This is crazy. The cab's gone. I'm there in the, in 90 degrees, <laughs> right with my bag, and um, we see him. I see him walking up the driveway. I'm like, oh shit, that's a Rod Templeton. God, that's him, right? He says, oh hello, Ali. <laughs> I said, oh shit, yes, hi, and he. He opens the gate, he says, follow me. So we walk back down the drive into his house, massive house, and um, it's just him in there. I'm thinking there's gonna be a, a staff of, of 50 with, you know, a high rim. <laughs> no, but it's just him in there. And um, we sat down in the kitchen, and he sat down with his with his uh with his cigarette, and and I th- I don't know if it was too early for a whiskey. Uh, I won't say. <laughs> and um it's never too early, it's never too early, never too early. And so, and um, I'll never forget it it was like a telephone two telephone books thick royalty statements i'll never forget it so he's there and he's just going through and mine is probably one song <laughs> i mean it was thick i've never seen anything like it by the way it. mine is a lot thinner a lot but thinner. i only look at the last page <laughs> that's all you gotta see that's all that matters the bottom line right and so he's flicking through i'm like i'm just in shock of everything and he says, so Ali, so what have you been doing for the, you know, um, with yourself then? And I said, well, I've just come from um, Sweden, actually. And he said, okay, good, good, good songwriters out there. And I said, yeah, it was really good. And he said, um, so what did you do? And I, with a little cockiness, I was like, well, you know, went out there for six days and uh, 11 songs. <laughs> and he was like, oh, interesting. Let's have a listen to him. And 2000, it was CDs, right? So when I put the CD in, and he had control of the thing. I'll never forget this. All of the first song, 
half of the second song, quarter of the third song, intro of the fourth song, didn't listen to the rest. And the silence. So the silence was, it felt like an hour. It felt like an hour. It was probably only about a minute, but that's a, that's a long bit of silence. So like, he said, Ali, there's really only probably one good hook there and maybe one lyric that I can think of. I was like, oh, shit. And then he said, how are you supposed to write a hit record in such a short time? Thriller took me three months and that was for the melody. I was like, wow. And he said, you can't possibly write a hit song in such a short time. Well, not for where I come from anyway. That's what he said. Yeah. You know, maybe I'm old school and I know you guys well, this write... This is a kind of a discussion point, isn't it? Absolutely. Because I, I've got opinions on that. Good. And uh, Because um, so do I. You know, yeah, we, we all have, uh, I'm uh, sure. Uh, and uh, I think it's really fascinating. It's a yeah. brilliant story and I really appreciate uh, that, that, that you went through that. Absolutely, um, and and of course, you know, um, the thing is, is that this, yeah, I think, and you know, is is that you have to separate inspiration from perspiration. <laughs> Interesting, right? I like that because it, it, at the end of the day, and also, I mean, I've got loads of maxims like this, like mm -hmm. you know, twenty uh, percent of the time to do eighty percent of the building, mm -hmm. eighty percent of the time to do the last twenty percent, da da da. Right. Any way you want to put. This. Absolutely. But the truth is, is that what you have to find is inspiration. That's all. Yes. And you can find inspiration really quick. I mean, Sam Smith did the the thing. Did you do a song with Sam Smith? That you did no, I was I vocal coached him. Vocal coached him. Yeah. Okay. So Sam Smith, you know, when I he did, did the Bond theme, he yeah. said, "Oh, it looked like it took me to like uh, seven minutes to write it, or some stupid idea mm -hmm. like this." And I thought, yes, yeah, maybe you got the inspiration in that time. But believe me, you took. The the uh, you know sixty years of that arranger's ability Absolutely. to to do the bond arrangement yes. for that song. You took all of this this mm -hmm. stuff um, to make your record sound incredible. Absolutely. And if you want to call that songwriting, right? Then sorry that that's that's a really big part of it. So yes. Just to go, I love you because you're wonderful. Yeah, I've no. just done that just now. Yeah. But I can do that in a minute, and right. it, all of us can because if we've got writing talent sure but um and that has to have freedom of expression so mm -hmm. i think that's a really good start for sure but um as gavin has often said to me and i know because it's something we've learned together mm -hmm. it, uh, you know it's not just about the writing it's about the rewriting 100 so you do you, so what you need to do is when you're writing a song mm -hmm. is try and be inspired try and come up with a, the core of a great idea Absolutely. and if you've got that it will always be good. Mm -hmm. And so then you put all the energy of all the people you know, if you want, if you've mm -hmm. got a team, if you're lucky enough or yourself, it will mm -hmm. be days to make that into a record. Absolutely. And even that record shouldn't be seen to be the the kind of be all and end all of that song because it might be that someone else will come along and go, I love that song, but it would be better done like this. Right. Which is what we've learned from remixes. Mm -hmm. But we can also apply that same uh, theory mm -hmm. to, to just – general song production absolutely but even the writing bit of it is not i mean the production is, an, is almost another thing and you right. can take all that time but sometimes the melody itself mm -hmm. or the chords or whatever it is mm -hmm. can can do with a lot of refinement and i think a lot of people um you know you get so attached to that initial inspiration and, and i think being able to know when to just leave well enough alone and when That's to actually keep keep 
chip in at it. That's it. And that's where your own personal taste and your and your kind of like that sort of voice in the back of your head. Like I I know not just with if I'm writing or if I'm if I'm making music or mm-hmm. mixing even. <clears throat> like there'll be this little voice there which will just something will be bugging me mm-hmm. and I'll want to change it. Mm-hmm. And and when I feel that, then I've got to sort of do it. Like I got to like I think yeah, that's not bad, and I can get away with it. Yeah. But could this be more special, or could this be more unique? And actually, one of the things I think, um, I mean, a slightly different topic, but like you probably you, you you were saying this to me when we were chatting once before, mm-hmm. this idea of like having the that perfect balance between familiarity. Mm-hmm. And that predictability, and like I've heard this before, almost yes. with the curveballs and the originality and the sort of spice that's going to make it unique and make it special. Absolutely. Because, but then again, there are songs that have come out in even in the last year that have been massive hits where mm-hmm. there are no curveballs and it's so <laughs> cheesy, and you just go, "Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh God!" And then Greek, I just think, I just think I'd rather, I'd rather not have. Well, I would rather well, have I, a hit actually. But back in, I'm trying to think of the year really, yeah. but. I, but I guess it was kind of late 90s, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I was working with Rick Knowles. Okay. And uh, and I because I was on like that page where you, you're always looking for the curveball yeah. at the time. Mm-hmm. You've got to find a, an angle. You've got to kind of go, ooh, you've got, you've got a surprise every yeah. single time. Right. So I started to work with Rick and I couldn't – I just didn't get it because mm. Rick was like, you know, give me like, you know – breathy chiffer on a d50 mm-hmm. or give me like a string pad mm-hmm. and he'd, he'd sing there and he'd go and he'd do like c to a minor to f to g mm-hmm. and, and and then he'd be going hey he's like singing some stuff and i go fuck <laughs> sake man this is the most boring shit i've ever heard so I, talking to mull holland that's why i went to work with him <laughs> on the record yeah, yeah, there yeah. yeah including madonna's bedtime story Ooh, we did some stuff yeah. on that which he'd written two or three tracks on but the, the the mad thing about it was is that because it took me ages to process this for sure and realize that that Rick had got this kind of great uh, great thing mm. that he did. And of course, he'd had so many big hits, like one after the next. <laughs> yeah. You know, going from Belinda Carlisle, of course, Heaven is a Place on Earth, and Circles in the Sun, and that sort of thing. But then go on to, you, you know, um, uh, you got the music in you. Oh, it's a rap. You know, with um, what's it now? What New Radicals. The, yeah. And then at that time, he Did was he the that? big guy with, uh, with, and then with, uh, uh, Ronan, Ronan, Life is a Roller Coaster. Oh, that's right. So he, he was co-writing these songs. So when you see him writing with this thing, it was always C. <laughs> I mean, so it, like, it was really Look. kind of like the, the most boring stuff. And I was thinking, how? Oh. And of course, I would kind of like, I, I was sitting there because at the time I yeah. was his program. I wasn't um, uh, writing yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just like the musician, you yeah. know what I mean? And he could play some basic chords. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, and, and I was kind of like, you know, we're sitting there kind of going, ah, yeah, yeah, I was singing along and he mm-hmm. goes, don't sing, shut up. Don't so sing. Said, yeah. He said, don't sing. This is interesting. Ah, you know, he's been singing like this and I'd be going, because I'd be thinking of kind of, you know, I couldn't help myself. I was thinking of, of course, you're of quir- a writer. Quirky melodies yeah, in my yeah. head, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and he was going, don't sing. Shut don't up. Sing, shut be up. quiet. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, look, the, the, the moral of the story is mm-hmm. it took me time to process that and yeah. realize that when you kind of do the most, most obvious thing sometimes, not always, but you yeah. do the same thing, you give your artist the opportunity to do something special on top. A hundred percent. Because they're going to find something really strange. Leave if you space. just give 
give them C A minor F G, they're going to they're going to come up with something really good on top. Uh, because they won't, they won't be able to live that. And then of course everything can change underneath. This that. is the magic. You know, it's yeah. you know that excites me every day coming in to write something. It's it's the magic of the potential of what can come out and and how do i get the masses to love this if which is i the love goal. It, which is the goal you know which yeah. is the goal we're jobbing songwriters and producers right what's the goal the goal is for you know it's not chasing a, a number one once you've had one you're like you do chase it until you've had another one and then you realize wait a minute you know maybe that's not the goal maybe the goal is just for this whole world to sing this song you know, eventually, whether it gets to number one or not, because there are massive songs that yeah. never got to number one that are bigger than sold more than everything else, right? But, you know, that that magic of not knowing what's going to happen, but intending something magical to happen. And that's how I go in. I mean, you know, at one point, myself and Wayne Hector, who's uh, one of the world's biggest songwriters, yeah, right? I, so, I really like Wayne. But, and I, uh, you know, did you have you worked with him? Not, not particularly. We've worked on the same album. Yeah. With different songs. We're going to get in. Music is going to get him in. You know, we're, mm. we should come, get back in and, and yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. there's an extra mic there. We I really should... like him, Jackie. <clears throat> I know. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, he's, we grew up together. We started off our careers together. Yeah. Um, and um, he was always an exceptional songwriter. He, I love a lot from him actually in, in terms of lyric and melody and so on just watching him in action and and where it where it comes from and you know we're always fascinated with just melody and lyric we wanted to we had aspirations of having studios and you know having producers and so on and then we said wait a minute no jack of all trades and master of none let's just Focus on what we do best, and that is finding a melody and a great lyric that goes with it. So I couldn't agree more with you. In fact, we I had this conversation with you earlier, mm -hmm. didn't I? and uh, I just sort of think, I suppose, you know, it, okay, so I'm kind of really known for working on artist albums, and I've done a lot of mm. big artist albums that have sold Absolutely. millions of copies. But when you're working with an artist um, that's the songwriter, mm -hmm. and you're not the songwriter, mm -hmm. you're the arranger or you're the guy that's sort of making it work. Pull it the, 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 this artist here, mm. for example, mm -hmm. it doesn't differentiate between uh, a, a, a kind of a poor song and a good song. Right. Because they may have 12, mm -hmm. and those 12 songs, uh, there might be two or three hits in there. Mm -hmm. There might be. Might. And they might be kind of really acknowledge it themselves but they don't really say it right but they might have three or four really poor ones but they don't write more than the the that stock amount mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. we've got an album to do we're going to write 12 songs not writing anymore mm -hmm. so the ones that are kind of poor take a long while to produce they're right. really hard interesting because you're going to try and find correct the the, the angle mm -hmm. to just try and make, make it acceptable great. yeah whereas the really great songs they they produce really easy themselves because you can put any overdub on anything you want you can put any instrument on there and all of a sudden it sounds good right you then you, you got the challenge to make a great song even greater even that's greater. your job as a producer but i think that's a really interesting thing is that we've discovered and gavin and i do this mm -hmm. a lot because mm -hmm. we work on on a lot of albums probably a year sure. we probably work on more albums a year than many people I love most. That. yeah and um you know our job is to make every song as good as we can absolutely um but so long as the melody and the lyric is great is good mm -hmm. and then 
we've got an instant access to a great song. 100%. And and actually, if you then got an artist that's open-minded to the chords, you can change this and make it better. Mold, absolutely. Mold that song into something good. Absolutely. Whereas if you've got a poor song, you're going to spend a lot of time trying to mold that because you're still fighting against the fact that the song is actually not that good. It's mediocre, exactly. And this is the thing. It's, um, you know, I've always you know, been fascinated as well within that, you know, songwriting of, you know, if you're working with someone and it's collaborative and they are fixed to an idea and you know it's not great, you know, but it means something to them, what do you do? You know, how do you, you know, influence to say, look, objectively, this is is good and you feel it, but we can push this to great. Right, there's an interesting question yeah. you're asking. It's the hardest. That's going deep into the philosophy. Because I, I, because, yeah. I know this yeah. probably as well as anyone. Absolutely. <laughs> Come on, and, 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 and the truth is, yeah. is that a lot of the people that are, are, are delivering yeah. that are not asking that question. No. And, the, and they also don't want you to tell them. Come on. They're not. They're not asking you to tell them if that bit's a bit. Well, shit. That's right. But this you, also you, comes you, down to um, whether or how how attached you are to keeping your job. Yeah. Because, you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, Gavin, is, yeah. and Gavin has got it's it true. in a nutshell. It's so because, true. because you, 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 so roulette. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. It. No, Look, it's like that that moment with Jack Nicholson <laughs> in, in the court. Jack Nicholson in the courtroom going. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you can't, can't handle, handle the fucking truth. truth. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> and if you if you yeah. then say to your artist, <laughs> yeah. look, this song is great. Mm-hmm. This song is great. This song is shit. It's shit. End of job. End of Over. job. You're oh, gone. really? Okay, so <laughs> let's let's reconvene tomorrow. But you're not involved. <laughs> you won't be here. Yeah. And then also, they would take that information. And go. By the way, I've got two great songs here. But this and, uh, one's I need shit. to work on, <laughs> this. on this. And they'll go work on it a bit more right. without. Yeah, you. but you see, this is this is actually something I've seen. I've seen Andy's bit of a master at this. Is it's playing the long game, right? With these sort of things, because especially if you're doing a, a like a, a record, <laughs> so because you can. Let's say you got a, a song or two that are shit or mm-hmm. they're underperforming. Right. You don't. You don't just come out and go, that's shit. No, you know, of course not. You basically, you do it. Kick and gloves. then during during the sort of, you know, the weeks and months as the whole thing unfolds, you try stuff Sometimes. in private. You No, yeah. Or you, um, you know, you, you <laughs> knock up, you, you do a remix. <laughs> or actually, this one, I've seen Andy do this, where, where you literally make a version of the song and literally edit the vocals and cut out the shit lyric. <laughs> By pasting over it with a different, you know, and then not, and then kind of, and then, do you know what I mean? (laughs) Or like that, like sometimes you have a song, it's really good, but there'll be one line. We just go, did he really just say that? Say that shit? Like, you can't say that. And then, and then paste over it with a different, and then, or sort of down the road in the project, Mm As the dude said, new shit has come to light. Correct. You know, like yeah. um, another song suddenly comes into the frame because you've you've sort of sourced another song, you've written another song, or it's come, and then and then suddenly your twelve song album is like maybe we maybe we do it. Hey, you know what's really hip these days is like a classic ten track album. <laughs> Like, like you know, you know, you know, just like nobody listens, you know, those are those long albums of 12 songs. Those long albums are so of these songs, you know, because you're full of for the vinyl, you know what I mean? Side A, side B, (laughs) that's it, boom, you know, that's working really well right now, yeah, yeah, the vinyl, whole vinyl, that whole thing, you know, side A, side B, and then and then 
you know, you you find ways, and maybe by the end, by the it, it could even happen in mastering. It could even happen <laughs> after mastering. Master, uh, after Do you know what I mean? Don't yeah. jump in and tell that this just. It's there's, so there's, true. There's gonna be a way to finagle that out of the picture uh-huh. down the line. Like that's a messy situation. situation. Finagle. finagle. That that's yeah, it's an old that's, school well, one. Okay, so yeah, my, Yiddish people people <laughs> if they ask me for any advice on anything, they're foolish. But if they do, mm. my best advice to everyone who's starting to make a record is mm-hmm. is there's no direct route from A to B. For sure. That's it. So That's very if you true. want to know the best way to get a result with your artist, understand that you might have to go via Z. Absolutely. To get back to, back to B. Yeah, absolutely. And so you have to play the long game. That's because, so true. Because that's otherwise, that's first of all, yeah. you're not you're not in the game anymore. You're, absolutely. You've, you've, you've shot your load and you've been honest. Yeah. And that's honesty is, is and they can't not, take the truth. It's not even that clever. No, it's, I know, it's no, it has no integrity to it either. By the way, you'd be as honest Hold as on, you can. Oh, no, this is his quote. Andy writes, you know, honesty has honesty has no integrity. No, I tell you what, I tell you what I mean by that. You can be as honest as you want, yeah. but in the end, you're only satisfying yourself because you're only representing your point of view on that thing. Mm. So that's not actually honesty. That's just you spouting out your point of view. Well, it's your that, honesty. That, that doesn't have integrity. Oh, yeah. What has integrity is to say, you've engaged me to help you make the best record possible. So I'm yes. going to do that with integrity and I'm going to lie to you until I can t- <laughs> until I can tell you the truth. <laughs> until you've understood wow. what the yeah. truth yeah. is. Yeah, we Listen, you wanted a masterclass. Yeah. There you go, yeah. you got the masterclass. Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. it. It's true because you're 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 they're asking you to help them. <laughs> and if you, yeah, they yeah. can't handle the truth, you've got, you've got to help them yeah. to, to get to a point where they where they, they accept it where now, you can I, I understand that this is uh, you, you get a power dynamic with the yeah. production if you're yeah. working with a new artist mm. they're all kind of eager they want to know especially if you've got some kind of resume right. they're going to look at you and go you're, you're the guy that you're knows the, guy the answers that knows, but you don't the because it's a new project right. and you don't really know right but when you're dealing with someone who's had like sold 50, 60 million albums that's a already, bit different. that's a very different thing Absolutely. because they come with their own set of conditions. Yeah, my, my, and it's harder to tell them they're wrong. They're well, really of course, hard. because it's been yeah. working for me. So don't, what yeah. are you to tell yeah. me? And yeah, yeah. By the way, how many hits have you had? Uh, basically. Well, quite a few, actually. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, but, but you're not interested <laughs> in that. You're not interested in those ones. <laughs> but also, if it, when, it, when it works in the end, yeah. then it was basically their idea all along. Of course. Oh, and that's all right. That's yeah. brilliant. And, and so yeah. that, that what we're dealing with is ego, understanding as creatives how to deal with ego. And that is definitely something that is not taught. And, is, and, and, can, and can it be taught? But this goes back. So. This goes back to the the earlier thing we were talking about mm-hmm. about how these enigmatic producers who you're not quite sure what they're doing right. are having all these successes and after after another big records, yeah. and it's because of that. It's because they have that ability to work with big egos right. and to sort of play the game and play the situation and get to the end result. Yes, and and you know mm. somehow prevail. The end result is so everything. That's what you're being asked to do, mm-hmm. and and the only the, you can get to the end result if it's good, um, then that's wonderful. You've che- you've got your job right. That's but right. If you're an arsehole on the way, no. you're not going to get to get the next end result. Absolutely. So being not. a kind of cool guy and being yeah. nice mm-hmm. is not about getting the result here. It's about getting the next job. Correct. <laughs> and that, again, or getting called back. Getting good. Getting getting repeat business. Absolutely. You know, be good and be nice. You Absolutely. get a repeat business. You get a hit. If you get a hit record and you're a complete twat during it, yeah. the artist would go, "Yeah, I got a hit, but I don't want to work with him again. There's just got to be someone better." It's quite interesting. 
interesting because I associate that with with psychology and counseling at yeah. the same time. I mm. found myself, you know, as a vocal coach as well, more of a counselor because they come mm. in with their, their vocal problems. But behind that, there's always something else there that you need to kind of sort out. And, you know, you, without without touching it, you know, it's a, it's a raw nerve, but you see it and it's like, okay, so how can we pad that? How can we make that feel better and for you to perform and, and maybe even use some of that pain in your performance? And it, it's associated to writing for artists as well. You know, some, some of them, they, they don't know what they want to write about, but there's something in the background that is, is there and it's present. So you have to kind of unearth it without all the skeletons falling out the closet. It's mm. a weird one, you know, yeah, yeah. psychologically and, and just trying to make them feel good, comfortable enough for them to let their emotions out um, and to be able to use that. Um, because, um, you know, in, in, um, in, in vocal coaching, what I, I, I call it is, I don't know if anyone else does this, but I call it pinning. So pin the emotion of this song that you've been given to sing. So I work on the voice. So they um, sometimes they're coming with good um, ideas of what they want to sing. Um, and sometimes they have no idea, but they have great voice. And But you have to have a connection to something that you're singing or if in order for someone else to, to, to feel it, whether you're a great singer or not. So I generally try and make them pin that song and that lyric to an emotion that they have somewhere along the line, whether, you know, because sometimes they're young, they haven't had any love experience or anything, or sometimes they're older and they don't, you know, you, 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 you know, they've been hurt, but, you know, they've forgotten about it, but we need to pin, we need to have that emotion in this song without it boiling over, but just enough. That's for really the cool. Mm. I like that. Right? That's a really cool um, little tip. There. And there you go. So I nice. mean, it's, it's one of those things you want to pin, some emotion mm. to um, the lyric that they're writing, or um, if it's a fictitious, you know, song that you're, you're coming up with because they might not want to delve into their real emotion, they've still got to pin it to something. Right. Mm. So if it's it's external to them, they can find a place within their own experience that that helps them to convey that message convey that, with yeah. that's very good you know yeah. with real you know yeah well you touched on the thing there which i think is probably one of the more important aspects mm -hmm. of of singing performing mm -hmm. and making music mm -hmm. is that a lot of people get caught up in the technicalities of everything and Absolutely. making stuff sound slick and yep. singing in tune and all mm -hmm. that kind of thing but that connection like that emotional connection is mm -hmm. really the money, you know, that's that's Everything. the connection. That's what makes people who know nothing about music feel something. Yeah. And I, I often mm -hmm. try and connect back to that point in my in my childhood or in mm -hmm. my life, like when I didn't know anything about making records. Yes. And I just liked music for what it was. And mm -hmm. I didn't know why I liked something and I didn't like another thing. And there was this weird sort of like mystical relationship that you'd yeah. have with a piece of music. Like, why do I like that mm -hmm. more than that? Like, right. I just love that. I want to keep hearing it. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that's what, what that quality is. It's that Absolutely. it's authenticity or somehow there's I emotion. That's the, that's the wonderful thing about, about music and, and the way that people process it, mm -hmm. your crowd. And if you, if you can <laughs> access that as a music maker yourself, that's a double bonus. Because Absolutely. It's easy when you've been making music for years and years to just lose any kind of interest really in the music. Totally but even as off. a producer or as a mixer, mm -hmm. you know, that feeling like, am I feeling this? Mm -hmm. Like I ask myself that all the time, or I just intuitively know. And sometimes everything can seem right. Like all the I's are dotted and T's across. This should be amazing, mm -hmm. but I'm just not feeling it. Yeah. And why? that's why things mm -hmm. like, you know, um, you know, all the, all the new age, uh, production tools that are out there, right. whether it's splice or, or, it so or samples. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it, or quantizing everything and whatever. And it's like, sometimes like I, I really just sort of try and chase after that slippiness or that thing that's going to just make me feel this more. Like, why is this Absolutely. groove? Like, sometimes it's the slightest, tiniest little difference like that 100%. makes a groove feel amazing or just feel a bit boring. Uh, yeah. And um, and I think if you you really have to stay tuned into how it's, how it's hitting you. Like, am I really feeling this or am I just going, well, it's on the grid, so it must be right. So Gav, you, yeah. you hit it, you said it right. How is hitting you? Yeah. How does emotionally, has it made you feel? How's that melody made you feel? How's that line, it's that simple line made you feel, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Who is it that you said you, you're working with in LA that did, um, don't hold, what's his name? Rick Knowles. Rick Knowles. Yeah. He's got, he's, he's like, he's got the, the answer to all of these things, because all, most of his songs, you feel something. There's a magic that you you're like, what is that? I remember both of those songs, roller coaster around that um that don't hold. Yeah, was yeah. it? Uh, um, New radicals. New radicals. What was the song called? Um, get what you give. Get what you get. Yeah. What you get. Oh my god! They I were both really. They came up about at the same time. I the phoned, same I phoned feel. You up and went. I can't even believe that. They're both amazing tunes. Th that Don't Hold Back was absolute yeah. so you magic. Just, so that, you know, just um, ama amazing stuff. But you see, now, you know, when you're talking about him and his simple chords yeah. and stuff, I was thinking, you know, everyone, everyone's got a different way of approaching things. Mm. And sometimes, like, obviously we know, okay, you use the simple chords, you write a tune now, when the person's gone home, you yeah. rearrange the whole music or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think that that's one out of a million ways that you could do it. And it obviously works for him. Mm -hmm. Like I could imagine a scenario where you even thinking about, no, but that. I know, but I, I think you could, I could imagine a scenario mm -hmm. where you started playing those chords in the room with the, with the different person with the wrong person. And they just go, they just go, that's What's fucking, that? that's lame as fuck. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? I might be misrepresenting a bit <laughs> because he obviously has got a lot, you know, a few strings to his bow here. <laughs> it's just, that's how I felt when I was there working with well, him. Which is interesting. That. And, that, and that's how I processed it's your what, perception. what was going on there. But, that, but what happened when, when you said, wait a second, this guy's onto something, as you said, what that, moment that epiphany that moment what did that feel like what was it what was it that made you think wait a second <laughs> this guy's got no, something about two years <laughs> well, <laughs> well i mean no, you but got just when though. you go away and you go oh, oh i suddenly realized why that guy's good right oh. but you see one of the things that's great about that oh, is that magic. you're creating yeah. an yeah. uncomplicated sort of space for for, the for things to happen right. yeah yeah and, look, look i mean and we that could kind be... of a clang okay i don't want to do a big clang but when i was working with massive attack <laughs> On, on protection that a record protection you know I, I you know i kind of entered that record about halfway through mm. and 
you know, they, those guys, first of all, you know, there are three guys in the band and they would turn up and Nelly was producing it, Nelly Hooper was Amazing. producing it. Nelly, you know, I mean, they all had their thing. I mean, Nelly mm. was more this kind of character that you're talking mm -hmm. about because Nelly didn't really have any substantial. He played a bit of percussion, but never really right. much. And he, he kind of like had an interest in music. Mm. But, you know, but in but a way... But made so many great records. Somehow, made a lot of great Somehow, records. Yeah. And we had Marius working with him before. Of course, mm -hmm. Marius was totally awesome Marius as well. Marius mm. But those boys that came in... Um, you've got um, uh, 3D Mushroom and uh, and uh, Daddy G, the three guys that came in. I've been known um, as Daddy G, by the way. <laughs> yeah, Daddy G, G, Daddy yeah, G, G. But those guys, when they come in, and I mean, I'd be there the whole day entertaining all of the ideas that mm. came from the thing. And then one of them would come in and go, No, what you want to do, Jack, is you want to do this, I'll just do it. And then, and then, and then, you know, as the day would go, then mm. the other one would come and go, ah, you know, Jack, that's fucking shit, because they call wow. everyone Jack. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so you'd to get rid of that Great. for them. Yeah. And so what ended up on the record was almost nothing, but it would be really good. Great nothing. <laughs> it would be really, really what good. What is that? Good bit of, of, of not much going <laughs> not on. Not much happening. Yeah. But that was their like vibe, four though. ingredients. That was their vibe, really though, wasn't good. it? It was so great, though, you know? Yeah. And, and you know, I'm, I'm fascinated with that. I'll never stop being fascinated with, you know, the uh, the unknown quantity of, of that, of magic. If you can get three or four ingredients to feel amazing, yeah, then I you know you're that, onto I think something. Vision, yeah. I think that's what Nelly was really good at as the overall kind of like picture of it and just going, Absolutely. you know, and, and cutting out the fat. Well, because, Quincy because, always said, another name, no, I've never met him, but um, he, almost met him, but um, he said, if you can't play it with one finger, the melody with one finger, it's not working for him. And I'm like, oh my God, listen to that. What is thriller, that? Thriller, He's right. I'm telling you. <laughs> Rock with you. Billy G. It's my love. He's got it. He's got it. Right. It's crazy. This is one of the best <laughs> learning experiences I've ever had. I'm going to go back and write it. simple as You probably will now. <laughs> but it's crazy. That's what he said. And I was like, God, listen to that. You know, it's the simple elements, the the magic in the simplicity, but understanding what that is, identifying what yeah. that is. Listen, I mean, we've been making music for a long while, all of us, Absolutely. And, and, you know, in lots of different passages. And, and I, I mean, I found really a lot of interest in writing instrumental mm. music. So I did two records with Jeff Beck wow. and uh, and Andreas Vollenweide, you know, the great instrumentalists. Yeah. I kind of like that format in a way because it takes the lyrics out Absolutely. of the equation, And then the only thing that becomes critical there is the Definitely, title. Yeah. But actually for those guys, it's almost a bit different because because you got someone like Jeff Beck, he, he, he can play anything, mm. but he'll wait until all of a sudden he'll be just playing stuff. And, you know, he's like, he gets bored really quick, turns his volume down and then he and then go carry on and he'll turn it up mm -hmm. keep going like that and then all of a sudden he'll hear something in his Let's own that. playing that he really thinks is good so once he's done that he goes hang on a minute what was Let's that go back hang on a minute da -da. and then he'll dig into that yes and that's where you get all the magic from him because 100%. he'll be looking for something that he's never done before well you see within his own talent right you know Magical. I love that. And seeing that moment. You so know? you see the moment and, and your, your job is to be there to try and record a capture, you know, try and stay. Well, yeah. it's obviously you've got to be in record yeah. all the time. Absolutely. Because otherwise you'll miss it. Absolutely. But also, uh, also kind of keep him playing mm. until he finds that, that sort of moment. Absolutely. You know? The ringmaster. Yeah, exactly. It's the job, right? isn't it? You know, 
The music industry is is not for the faint-hearted, and I mean it's something where you know you have to you have to want it, and it's almost got to be inevitable. Like there's no alternative. That's how I felt when I went into it. When I was when I was sort of young and. I started playing guitar in bands when I was in high school and stuff, and it was. I realized quickly that I didn't want to do anything else, yeah. and then just sort of followed that path. And the thing is, is that you know, self self belief and belief in that kind of vision for your life, and it's not a normal life. You have to make sacrifices, and you have to sort of find your 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 lane and your your kind of people and that thing where you can actually build a career somehow i mean nowadays it's probably so much different to when i started mm -hmm. because it's all about being online and it's mm -hmm. like social media and it, whether you're you know being an artist or a or a musician it's, it's just like finding those tiny little opportunities no matter how small they are mm -hmm. and you got to sort of go through that door and you never know what's on the other side you never know which person is going to be the person that's going to connect you to the next person so you got to just totally follow your nose each mm -hmm. little thing that happens and trust that you're on the right path and I mean sometimes and I've seen this happen with lots of people along the way friends of mine or people I was in bands with where they just sort of gave up yeah. and they sort of hit a yeah. point where they realized you know what this like I don't I don't really it turns out I don't really want this enough and that's most people absolutely because at the end at a certain point the the e economic realities of life and all that sort of stuff Hit. kicks in mm -hmm. and so actually I don't know if anybody knows who Hugh Masekela is mm -hmm. but Hugh Masekela is a great he's he's the late Hugh Masekela now but he was mm -hmm. one of the greatest South African, South African artists mm -hmm. activists I worked with him once but... oh you did amazing oh, Hugh, yes. Rahu. Yeah. But anyway, I remember he said this thing once. I saw on a on a on a interview or something, where he was saying like, if you're performing like live, for example, mm -hmm. and if you get off stage and people don't fucking lose their shit about how amazing Absolutely. you were or whatever, he says, that's kind of a bit of a signal that you should probably stop. Wow. Because <laughs> it's powerful. Because, or, 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 or adapt. Yeah. Or, or, or adapt. No. But the thing. Be, no. But the thing is, show. is like, <laughs> you can't. Yeah. You can't fuck around in this mm -hmm. industry. Like no. you have to, like Andy was saying earlier, like you like you gotta have something. You gotta bring something to 100%. the table. And you gotta find what that is for yourself. Mm -hmm. And and, and mm -hmm. you've got to develop and build and you've got to constantly be a student mm -hmm. and you've got to you've got to be a student of music, of tech, of of industry, of all mm -hmm. these things and just and just keep keep plugging. It's a and job. if it's not happening, People like I realize what a job it is. Yeah, but if it's, it's not, job. if like as Hugh said, like mm. if it's not, if if people aren't feeling what you're bringing after years and years mm -hmm, and years, mm -hmm. is probably you should probably question it. You should probably try something else. Yeah, you question <laughs> it. You know, you know. But, but you know, there are there are different ways of looking at that as well because um, the Pharrell. Everyone, most people know who Pharrell. Pharrell Williams, the Neptunes. Um, the three of them, um, Chad, Hugo, and 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 Pharrell, they had a sound um, in the nineties that they couldn't get arrested with, um, uh, and it was um, a uh, a publisher at the time um, that worked for Rondor. Um, myself and Wayne were signed there, and we were in New York. And Karen Durant, her name is, she said she had the job of um, trying to get them, you know, a publishing deal somewhere. She went everywhere. And she knew everyone. They were like, 
what the hell is this you're playing me? <laughs> you know? Yeah. But they didn't change. And then late 90s, bang. Khalees, wasn't it? Well, before that, oh, really? it was um, Lap Dance. There's a song called Lap Dance. Oh, that was yeah, well, that was, that was, that was uh, no one, yeah, that their was own the actual, shit. Their yeah, own yeah. shit. But before that, it was um, Noriega. Serban Ser- Ganeo, if anyone knows Serban, the, great, yeah, yeah. the great mixer, was yeah, yeah. actually, I yeah. think he even recorded that record. Yeah, but that, mm-hmm. that's a, such a good point. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can say that mm-hmm. <clears throat> in the... In the uh, late eighties, yeah. um, my man, I had a manager for a short period of time, mm-hmm. uh, Brian Reese, who recently died. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. But, uh, he wasn't my manager very long, but he managed Rob Davies. Yeah. Rob Davies was the guitarist wow. in, in in Mud. Wow! So they had I worked with Rob. They, yeah, they worked with Rob. So it was hits in the seventies. Yeah. And uh, Brian used to come around and say, "Yeah, well, you know, we're managing Rob, and you know, he's working on tunes, and and um, Rob was like." In no man's land for yeah. a, a, two decades, two, at least two decades. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, he had Spiller's Jew Groove Jet, and you can't get me out of it. I can't I'll get you out, out of my head. head. Yeah, in, in that time, made several million immediately. So, so, so there's a tip: don't give up. Don't know, give but up. But I'm going to give you my tip mm-hmm. for your audience, if mm-hmm. you like. And uh, it's the thing that I think is the most critically important thing: is there are no bad ideas. There you go. Yeah, and uh, and you can process that with any way once, but I, but I tell you what I mean mm. um, is is that when you're working with people, you're writing a song. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> you know, start with the idea that every idea is good, and give every idea distance. Mm-hmm. You got to give every idea distance mm-hmm. because every person that you work with is vulnerable. Absolutely, their, their character type. That's right. They're artists, and they're, 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 if they come up with an idea, Fragile. they're putting the mm-hmm. idea out there. Yes. Um, so if you respect the idea, even if you think, oh, but, eh. yeah. well, you can sort of try and sidestep it, but if you actually give it a bit of distance and actually give it a time, bit mm-hmm. of time, you might find it's actually a really good idea, and then that, and that 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 is the kind of oil that keeps the wheels Love turning. That. Love that. And so that way. You, you always can end up with something really great at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Negativity is the enemy of all creativity. Come on, one more time. Negativity is the enemy of all creativity. And and if you've got a singer that. on a microphone and the singer's singing and they're not singing very well, if you go, that was terrible. It's finished. It's finished. You, end of the day, if you go, that was really good. Mm-hmm. Let's do another one. Absolutely. Right. And, and, and Encouragement. You, and then this time, let's try and do it with a bit of this or a bit of that. Absolutely. So positivity and positive energy is the thing that will always get you a good result with artists. Absolutely. I believe, you know, you, you know, treat the environment with the greatest of respect. And songs are here. We just can't see them, but create the atmosphere for them to show up. And they do. One thing I'd say is go with your gut feeling with everything in terms of songs and then don't be afraid to put that gut feeling into surgery. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. I like that. That's what I would say. That's, that's, that's deep.